How's everybody doing, huh? You guys, uh, you guys probably not doing much right now, right? Because Christmas is pff, nothing, right? I don't know. Why is it? It's like the joy. It's supposed to be such a joyous time, yet all we do is fill it with the busyness, <laughs> craziness. Um, oh man, sometimes I. I think I said this last week, I, I look out towards Christmas and it's like, oh, so much to do, so much work, so much, and that's not what it was meant to be. Because when you really think about it, like that's the heart and cornerstone of Jesus Christ and Christianity and being a follower of him is the fact that, that um, it, it, it ends with ascension. It, it ends with, like, here we're able to, to lift up our hands and lift up our arms and say, you know, that God picks us up and ascends us in, into the heavenlies, but we only get that because he descended, because of the descension, and that's what it's all about in Christmas, is the fact that, as Mark was saying, you know, he descends as a baby. You can't descend any lower than that (laughs) to a teenage girl (laughs) from the ghetto. I don't know about you, but that's descending, and and no other God in the history of all gods ever written has ever done that, and they're all fake, by the way, compared to (laughs) the real God that did that, which is amazing, and it just, it blows me away. And that's what's so amazing about what we're going to talk about, in, in, again, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, as we're going through the Beatitudes and looking at Matthew chapter 5, and just the kingdom basics is basically coming to that aspect of we can ascend because he descended. We can have true meekness because he came down. We can, we can truly get filled because he came down. We can, we can go through all these things. What we're going to look at today is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. We can, we can actually be lifted up because he himself was put down low for our sakes and for us. When you think about it, that's just phenomenal. For, uh, when we look at joy, true joy, we can have that because he did the hard work that we couldn't do. And I don't know about you guys, but when someone does that for me, that brings great joy into my life in general. But in an eternal essence, it's so awesome. And so I'm just super excited about what we're going through today. And, um, you know, if you guys have been here, we've been going through the Beatitudes, and we had some interlude stuff in the, in, um, in the beginning. We were kind of doing the introduction, but we started looking at the being poor in spirit, which I think Jesus brilliantly sets it up the way it's supposed to be set up. He purposefully does that. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Jesus is brilliant. And the last thing you should have to do is check your brain at the door before you sit down and hear about God. Okay, now I, I can't say that about some of the other things out there, but um, I, I got a. Okay, I had a youth that was all about Christianity for once, and he was doing great. And then all of a sudden, he's like, now his mom told me about he's putting rocks around in the room and 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 doing all this new age weird stuff. And I'm like, how can you think that these magic rocks are going to help you, but you don't look to the God that created you? Like sometimes we do put our brains at the door, but we put it at the door for another reason. Does that make sense? And Christianity never says, hey, put your brain at the door. And so what's cool about what we're looking at is that Jesus very much sets it up. He gives this one-two punch. And the religious leaders don't like it because it takes away religion completely. It takes away what we can get on our own or trying to reach and attain God, which we cannot do. And that's why he starts with poor in spirit. Because basically he outlines it and he starts it with the simple fact that you cannot attain this. God is not something we can attain, we can ascend to on our own. And that's why, again, I was bringing up the idea of He descended first to bring us up. 
He is the latter. And that's what he points out in poor in spirit, just being authentic about that, which leads us to that second aspect, which is the idea of true mourning and just recognizing who we really are. Recognizing who we really are without God. And recognizing who we really are and what the world is around us. Being honest about that. And then responding to the world around us or to ourselves and what we have in us without God. Which then brought us to meekness and communicating in our meekness. Understanding real meekness, which is not weakness. Of which we a lot of times communicate out of. We communicate out of our, our weakness, not our meekness. And so that's kind of what we were talking about before. Which, by the way, is all the Holy Spirit through us. And it's awesome stuff um, when we really come to this. Because again, it's a declaration. It's a declaration of God saying, I'm here to make the world right. I'm here to make you right. You can't reach God. You can't get this. But I'm here to bring it to you, through you, to the world around you. And I love it. Um, so I'm going to give you a story because it's um, totally random. Uh, I grew up in Pasadena, uh, up Hastings Ranch. And if you have ever driven by there or something, there, there's this street called Michelinda. And, and Michelinda just kind of goes, goes right up into the mountains. And, and, and the hills by Pasadena, the hill, they're, they're pretty big. There's some big mountains up there. And if you've ever seen up, up in Michelinda area, up, up in Hastings Ranch, um, there's just this huge street that goes all the way up. And we were kind of up pretty far, uh, up, up in Hastings Ranch, off of a street called Edgeview. And I was one of those kids, I was kind of the original latchkey kid. I had the key around my, around my, uh, on, my, on my necklace. And my mom worked like six jobs and my brother hated me and I hated him. And so we didn't hang out, you know. And so I would get on my bike and I would just, it's what you do when you're in third grade, eight years old. You just get on your bike and you ride two miles down and go watch movies and go to Chuck E. Cheese all by yourself. Right? Some of you guys let your kids do that? No? Okay. So I did. <laughs> okay, all by myself. Um... In fact, so much so, I, I was a weird kid. I used to strap a knife to my bike just in case someone tried to take me because it happened about three times. I, I almost got kidnapped a couple times. Um, and so I learned to strap a, a knife to my bike. Um, and, you know, kids shouldn't have to do that, by the way, right? That's just not... But I was, a, I, I was like, oh, let them come. I actually wanted people to try. You know, the eight-year-old, the eight like, yeah, you know, pulling out my little steak knife, you know? My mom's looking through the drawer. We did have a set of eight. What happened? It's on my bike. Um, so here's Michelinda, and I actually did the Google uh, recently because I was like, how far did I ride? It's about two miles. I would go down this big old thing, and, and Michelinda Avenue, as again I said, it's just like a straight up. I, I used to not call it Michelinda. I used to call it Mount Doom. Um, <laughs> And so we would, you know, I would just ride down that thing. It was an easy ride down, you know. It's like, yeah, you never have to pedal. It's just, psh. but walking back, oh my gosh, that was hard. And I had a little BMX bike that weighed about 300 pounds. And I would just try to, you know, and you couldn't. And so I had to walk all the way back. And I just remember it was one of these, um, one of these summers. And it was probably 200 degrees. I mean, it was so hot, you know. And I'm just, oh, oh, I'm just walking up, trying to get back home after a long day of, of, of Chuck E. Cheese and everything else, you know. And so I'm going, and I'm so tired, and I just start to get thirsty. 
You, you ever had that thirst where you're just like dying? You know what I'm saying? Like you're just like, oh, I'll give my left kidney for a cup of water. And and I I had had in my memory still pretty fresh the scariest old lady chasing me off from trying to get water from her hose. So I knew that was not a possibility. Okay, because I would go to people, you know, and I'd see, is anybody home? And I'd go to their hose and I'd just start drinking. Because, you know, you're eight years old. You don't have really the plan to have a water bottle with you. And there wasn't water bottle. People didn't sell water at that time. Did you know that? Yeah, they didn't. It's weird, right? Who would have thunk? Um, anyway, so here I was trying to get up. I knew I couldn't go after the, the, the hose because I'd been chased off before and I was still scared. And so I'm just walking and I'm dying and I'm like, <gasps> you know, I just couldn't believe it. And I, you know, it's, you're dramatic when you're eight years old too. It's the end of the world, right? It's, I don't know. And I think I was crying. I don't know. And I look to my right and coming down the street is just this huge flow river of water. And I'm like, hmm. You know, when you're eight years old, you're kind of like, that looks good. You know, you see a couple leaves in it, but you're like, maybe I can sort out the leaves and the, and the trash, and I drank from the gutter. I am not proud of it, but I did. And I just remember, I mean, I must have been a pathetic, you know, pitiful sight, but here's my, you know, and I'm just here on Michelin Avenue drinking out of the gutter. But man, when you're thirsty, you'll do anything, right? I mean, some of you have watched Bear Grylls drink his own urine out of a dead snake. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. And they will do that. Why? Because you get to a point where you're so thirsty and you have to be prepared to do anything and drink from anything just to get that sustenance. And I mean, it's craziness, but this is, I mean, I, remember, I was listening to a story of these two kids that were stuck on the North Carolina coast for like three days. And by the end of the third day before they got, one of the guys was like cutting himself just to drink his own blood. And he never would have done that. It's like this 15-year-old kid. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to be morbid here. But, but the truth is, it's like he just was dying for thirst. And I, and, I, and I still think about that kid, that 8-year-old kid, me, you know, down on his hands and knees, drinking out of the gutter. And I look at him, oh, that's so horrible. But, but isn't that where a lot of society is today? Because what we're talking about today is this passage that comes next about hungering and thirsting after righteousness for you will be filled. And the truth is there's many and many of us that are spiritually dry. We're spiritually starving. We're spiritually dehydrated. And we get to a point where we'll drink out of anything because we're dying. I mean, why do, do we see these kids doing what these kids do? Why do we see these marriages fall apart? Why do we see these deaths? Why do we see these murders? Why do we see these just this wanton evil in the world around us today? Is it possibly because we're living in a day and age of a spiritual desert and people are thirsty? Lord, we just come before you and we thank you for the fact that you want to teach us something. And your word is so amazing because you don't sit there and say, now raise yourself up and ascend to heaven where I'm at. <laughs> if you can get there, I dare you. You don't do that. You send your one and only son whom you love to the world that you love so much so that we might ascend with him. You descend. And then you tell us, I'm here for you to show you the way, to take you by the hand, 
and to give you the sustenance that you need, to give you the drink, to give you the food. Because I love you. And Lord, I just pray right now that as we're looking at your word, we, it's easy for us to say, yeah, that neighbor next to me needs this. Or yeah, that my brother-in-law, oh, oh, he should hear this. No, that's the temptation, God. But the real, the truth is we need to look at this for ourselves. We need to see, Lord, where am I going to the gutter? Because I'm dry. Lord, help us as we look at this and get into your word. May it truly get into us and do the heart work and soul work that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, do me a favor. Let's stand on up and we're going to go ahead and read again from the book of Matthew or the gospel according to Matthew. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And now, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, you may be seated. So, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Okay, there's a lot going on here. But I don't think you could think of a crazier statement than this, when you really think about it. Because what he's saying is, happy are you who thirst and hunger for righteousness. And, and this is where I think we get the cart before the horse in society today. Because the truth is, what we do is we hunger and, and thirst to be happy. If we're going to be happy, we hunger for happiness. Does that make sense? If we hunger for to be content, we cut, we hunger and thirst after being content. We, we, we fill this with everything else. We put it before. And Jesus is saying, no, if you want to be happy, you don't search for happiness. You search for righteousness. It's a little backwards, isn't it? When we look at this, it's an interesting conundrum that Jesus puts before us here. But let me just say it this way. I think I'm right when I say that as Americans, we're hungering and thirsting after happiness. And you know how I know that? is we spent almost a trillion dollars a couple of weeks ago buying stuff we don't need. <laughs> you guys know that. It, it, like, literally, non-essentials. We're not talking things that we really need. There were clothes being bought, but it wasn't clothes because I have no clothes. It was clothes because we needed that extra 101 pair of shoes, right? You know what I'm saying? Like this, I mean, think about it. I, I mean, there's so many things that got bought that was not food, sh- you know, shelter, Things that, that we really needed, it's just things that we wanted as Americans. And we spent almost a trillion dollars in a weekend. They're still coming out with the numbers, but I, the best estimate I heard so far is $662 billion on stuff. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to that old comic, uh, George Carlin, but he has a really good bit on stuff. And he talks about how we just get all this stuff, and it's my stuff, it's not your stuff. And I'm going to put this stuff in a storage garage, then I'm going to keep all my stuff. You know, and it's like crazy because that's what we do. But that's what we think is going to make us happy. More stuff. And it's not. Do we really need it? No, but I want it. You know, it's, it's craziness. And that's 
what we're looking at. Because why? We're hungering and thirsting after happiness, pleasure. We're trying to be filled. And, and, and I don't think people go out of their way and say, oh, I need that new iPhone because I'm dying of thirst here. Do you know what I mean? That's not what I... I mean, I'm not being stupid here on that. But I know that people like myself, get caught up in this saying, oh, that's going to make me happy. That's going to fulfill me. And, and the truth is, we need to see, and if, that's, if you're taking notes, we need to see that we are starving and dehydrated spiritually. I, I think if we're not honest with ourselves and see where we're possibly hungry and possibly thirsty, then we're never going to really address this the right way. And that's what's so amazing about what Jesus is saying here. Because if you understand that time and that period of when Jesus is speaking, this is phenomenal. By the way, these people that he's talking to had on average one meal a day. That's it. One meal a day. That's what they ate. And I don't know if you've been to the Middle East, not a lot of water. Okay? Not a lot of water. So thirsting... And hunger was something that came naturally to them. And so again, he's not saying, by the way, this is something you need to do. This is another step. This is more law. You need to make yourself hunger and you need to make yourself thirst. That's not what he's saying because again, they already did this. They already got this. Hungry? I am hungry. This is why when, they, when he fed them and he fed the 5,000 and he fed the, the 4,000, they were ready to make him king. That's all it took. Hey, he fed us lunch. He's king. You get it? They're hungry. They're starving. Guys, this is huge. This isn't something that you need to to do. It's just what it is. And Jesus turns this on his head, on the head, and says, "It's not just about. This isn't about food, because you can hunger and thirst after all these things. But really, what it what comes down to is righteousness. What it comes down to is." Not the physical, but God, the spiritual. If we look a little farther into Jesus' life, we have a really good story. And I want to point you to this story. Because I think this story really helps us to understand what it means to hunger and thirst. And to see where we are dehydrated and where we are starving, spiritually speaking. So, what I'd like you to do is turn your Bibles to John the book of John, chapter 4. And we see it a really cool story here. And I want you to follow along with me. And if, if you guys are, um, I always put notes, I don't know if you know this, but in the, in the note things, there's always things to study throughout the week. And, and, and there's, I always go through this stuff myself, and I figured, hey, I'm going to let you see it. You, you, you know, it's what I'm looking at too, and it all has to go in with this. And there's things from Isaiah in there, from the book of Matthew, and it all has to do with hungering and thirsting. But I think John 4 is just good on this, because it really helps us to understand what he means by hungering and thirsting after righteousness and not everything else that we hunger and thirst after okay so what we have is we have jesus i'm just going to give you a heads up on this we have jesus and his disciples who come into a samaritan village they've been wandering the countryside they're doing ministry and and i don't know if you know this but jesus um was kind of a homeless guy they lived off of the kindness of other people because they were so busy doing ministry so busy doing stuff that that they would just live off of the kindness of those that would help them out and and that's what you could do in that culture it was it was okay to do that and so they come to this you know and they're going off to go get food the disciples say hey you stay here we're going to go get food you wait here and so they just leave Jesus sitting at this well and here he is at this well about midday and, and a lady starts come, uh, comes up, a Samaritan woman, and she's coming to, to get water, because that's what you do in the Middle East. That's where you get water, was in these wells, and they were really deep, and, and hopefully they were deep enough to have good water, because a lot of the wells don't have very good water, and they, you have to drink it. You drink it, you know? 
Um, and so here he is sitting here and, and they kind of start up this conversation and he's like, hey, you know, you want to give me some water? And she's just shocked that he, he's even talking to her because she's a Samaritan one. He, she knows, she's looking at him going, you're a Jew and you're talking to me. And, and then secondly, because she's a woman and she's drawing water at a time of day when women don't draw water, which kind of meant that she has passed. It's kind of interesting. There's no other women around. I don't know if you know this, but women do things in pairs, right? Do you guys know that? Okay, even the bathroom. I don't know what's going on in there, but women go in pairs, okay? I think they're talking about everybody else. That's my thing. But anyway, so here she is by herself. And to see a woman by herself means that the other women don't like her. She's an outcast. And here she is grabbing water. And Jesus is like, hey, here's the dissension. I love it. Jesus was thirsty. He got it. He was physically thirsty. And he says, give me some water, would you? Help me out. Jesus puts his life in the hands of an outcast. I don't know if you get the hugeness of this. This is insane. This is amazing. The humility that we have from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How daring and adventurous he is as a God to his creation. It's phenomenal. And, and, and she's just blown away. And, she's, and they start this kind of dialogue. And, he, and, and what's great about Jesus is he never just leaves it at one thing, does he? He always goes deeper. Again, he's a genius. Okay, something about him. But we come to verse 16, and, and, and I just want to read this really quick, because their, their conversation becomes deep, deeper than the well that she's drawing from. And he really helps her to understand more than just her physical thirst, but her spiritual thirst, as he says this. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Simple request, right? Hey, go, go, tell, your, go, go tell your hubby. Because she's blown away by what he's saying. and she, he, Come on, bring, bring your husband back. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, now that's very rare, by the way, again, in a culture, to not have a husband. If she didn't have a husband, that, that meant she was either starving on the streets or a prostitute. Because that was the only way you can make money um, in, in that culture as a woman. So that's a big deal right there. She says, Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And this almost seems like, what's Jesus doing? Is he just kind of taking the knife and going, hey, you know, into her life and going, yeah, you got, you got no, no. He's doing something phenomenal here. He's like, you're coming here to get water. You're coming here to get sustenance for your, for, for your body. But the truth is, what are you doing for your soul? Because I can tell you right now, you're going to all these, all these relationships. Because you're dehydrated. You're coming thirsty to the well here, but are you coming thirsty to where you really need to go to? Because right now you're still dying of dehydration. You have this sixth guy you're living with and it ain't working out, is it? No one dreams of this life that this woman has been through. No one. And he's not being mean about it. He's helping her to see how spiritually dehydrated and starving that she is and how she's been going to the gutter. She's been going to the gutter. Let me help you illuminate this a little farther. How about the father who is dehydrated and starving spiritually to the point that they're working 20 hours a day just to succeed, just to get what they think they need to make it happen, taking in long draughts of work and success to fill their thirst. And all their while, the, the family and the relationships, it's suffering. How about the shopaholic? kind of alluded to this before, that has a hundred pairs of shoes, but if I can just go to the store and get one more pair, then it'll be good. Right? When I was young, I was, 
I, I, yeah, I told you the story here of me drinking out of the gutter, but as I got older, I mean, I was dealing with divorce. I, you know, everything in my life that I had struggled with through my family and through all the stuff around me. And, and, and it was easy for me to drink out of the spiritual gutter from drugs and relationships and you name it. I was every which way because I needed to be filled. Jesus gets this. And this is what he's addressing with the woman at the well. You see, and she's hungry, she's thirsty, but she's not seeking righteousness. She's seeking everything else. And that's what I want you to understand at this next part and what we're going to take down here. If you're taking notes, we need to seek the right sustenance for our soul. See, if we're going through this, where are you? Where do you need to see your thirst and hunger? Where, where is it? But then secondly, where, where are you seeking? And are you seeking the right sustenance? See, hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is deke asune, okay? Deke asune is, is an interesting word. It's, it's literally just that right standing with God. It's like, I'm no longer down there. I'm right next to God. I'm right standing. I am in the family. I am in a relationship. This is no longer, uh, you know, down somewhere else as a servant. This is, this is a son or a daughter. This is no longer outside the door, pounding to get in. This is the idea of, you know what, heaven's way up there and perfection, I can't attain it. Who can ascend to that? But as Jesus comes down and descends and says, here I am, here I am, seek and you will find. Seek and you will find. And we take that, then he says, you're, I no longer call you slaves or servants, I call you brother and sister, friend. In the family of God, I graft you in. And that's the idea of seeking the right sustenance, the dekeasu. That This is what we are to seek. See, Jesus pointed out to the woman her hunger and thirst and how she had been going to the gutter to fulfill it. But then he points her after the, the, the spirit where her soul is truly hungry and thirsty for. Because if we look at verse 13, he said, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. The physical thing. If you're drinking from work, you're going to be thirsty. If you're drinking from relationship, you're going to be thirsty. If you just go to the tap and turn it on, you know, that fluoride might be good for your teeth, but you're going to be, thir- you know, you're going to be thirsty again in, a, in another day. And you've got to have it. And this is why Jesus is so brilliant, because he's saying it's not just about the physical with the water, but you're going to be thirsty again. And he brings up the idea again of the, of the, of the relationship she's been going through, because we're all there. We are all there. But see, maybe my kids will fulfill me. Maybe if I just get that education and just get that job and just get that, just maybe if I, my marriage was better, if I, you, you get it? If we keep going to that and we make that what we seek, good luck. And I don't mean to be cavalier about it or harsh, but the truth is, That's not what we were created to seek. That's not what we were created to seek. And Jesus is pointing this out. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But verse 14, he says, Whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now this seems really like Jesus-y. You know what I mean? This is that kind of Jesus-y spiritual sheep dip stuff he starts throwing out at us, right? That that stuff we're like, what is he talking about? You know, and most people, if you you don't understand this, I'm with you here. Some of this is really weird. What do you mean I'll never thirst? And what is this eternal life and all this other stuff? And how is it we're going to have a spring of water? And she's like blown away by this too. She's like, what are you talking about? But see, Jesus is very much alluding to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. And I'm going to read that for you here because what he's doing is he's setting this up spiritually here. 
to understand that we're not just to look at the physical. If you have it, look at Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 3. I want you to read this with me if you've got it. It's so good. I love this. Because this is so true of what God does as he descends into our life to help us ascend. Is anyone thirsty? This is Isaiah talking to a lot of the people who are dying of thirst here. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay pay for food that does does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you eternal life. That's what he's saying. And Jesus, knowing the scriptures, comes down and says, I am the drink. If you drink of me, you will have life. Because that's righteousness. That's real righteousness. That's the idea. It's not the physical. What are you seeking? And I'll give it to you in the fullest. This is huge. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but this is insanely freeing people. (laughs) Maybe you're like me and you seek everything else to make you full. Maybe, I don't know if you're like me, but there are things when stuff comes out and I'm like, I want that. And the corner reason I want that is because maybe it'll make me feel better today. Maybe it'll make me happier today. Oh boy, I really need that. Oh boy, I really have to have that. And if I get that, possibly now I will be happy. But Jesus comes along and he frees us also from the religion like, oh, now I have to do this for God and then I'll be happy. People, if I ever get up here and say, now you do this for God and you'll get ascension or you do this for God, then you'll be happy. If I ever start saying stuff like that, take me out the back and shoot me in the head. Because honestly, that's not what this is about. Jesus comes along and says, take what you can't buy. Receive what you'll never get on your own. He's declaring these things, as God did in Isaiah 55, saying, it's here. I put it on the table. Grab it. It's yours if you want it. But it's right standing. It's righteousness. It's eternal life. To know God. To know Him. This is not what true righteousness is, to hunger and thirst after being good and moral and ethical. True righteousness is a relationship with the Creator. This is what Jesus is saying to the woman at the well and you and me today. To know Him and be in relationship with Him, not in religion. Let me just put it this way. To seek a Savior, not a secret. To have have an eternal friend, not a pile of facts. To have the true way and not a bunch of work. This is awesome. This is awesome. And we get this backwards all the time. Seek Jesus. I'll tell you, one of the worst things I ever got stuck in when I was a Christian was moral sin management. Being a Christian meant I just had to manage my sin. I had to stop doing this and start doing that and stop being this way and start doing that. I, I worked myself into a tizzy and I didn't win because that's not what Christianity is all about. Christianity is about seeking Jesus and having a relationship with Him. And I think there's a great story with that, with Martha and Mary, if you want to see something good, where Mary is sitting at, the, at, at his feet, just listening to Jesus, partaking, enjoying, and saying, I just want to be with the rabbi, I want to be with the Son of God, I want to be with God. And Martha's out back doing everything else. And she's getting all upset, because she's working, and it's important, and it's good, but you know what? What's more important is 
sitting with Jesus. And sometimes we think we need to do all this when really all we got to do is sit down and pray. All we got to sit down and do is really just connect with God. And that's what we want to do here at the mission. We want you to connect with God because if you don't have joy, you're probably not connected. I guess the question is, what have you been drinking from to fill your soul? Are you seeking Jesus? And this is this last part, real quick. What do we do now? We need to develop a supply strategy for our soul. We need to develop a supply strategy. And again, this isn't something we need now. Okay, so I'm going to, if I, okay, read 10 of these verses every day. Read that. No, that's not what I'm talking about here. I love what Jesus says here. If we, if we look at this, verses 32 to 34, he says in John chapter 4, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Again, this is great because the disciples, by the way, come back after he's been talking to, to, to the woman at the well. And if you guys don't know this story, it's a great story. I recommend you read it in John chapter 4. But the disciples come back, and they come back with food. And they're like, what is going on? Because they see Jesus all jazzed. You know, he's like, woo! And he's talking to this lady, and he's all excited, and it's cool. And, and they come back, and they go, what's going on? Oh, he must be really hungry. And they try to give him food, and he's like, I don't want your food. And they're like, Rabbi, you need to eat. You haven't eaten. And he's like, and he says these words that I think is awesome. He says to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? I love this. You know, they're just like, what's going on? What is he talking about here? Like, did, did, did the woman he was talking to, did she bring him some hummus and some pita bread or something? Someone got a goat on a spit nearby? What's going on? So, he, he, and then he says this, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. It almost reminds you of the time when Jesus says, man is not to, to, to live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, the idea here is Jesus is saying, I don't get my fulfillment and my supply from the creation as great as it is. I get it from the Creator. And when I'm doing the will of the Creator, He can sustain me for anything. He can take care of me for anything. It's awesome. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but in Exodus 16, there's this great scene of you have the Jews and they're wandering in the desert and they've just come out of slavery and they're like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What's going on? And by the way, we're starving and we have no water because we're in the middle of the desert. And again, it's the Middle East. You guys know there's no desert so or no water. So he's, they're in the water. There's nothing. And they're like, we're dying. We're, Moses, you brought us out here to die. You brought us out here to die. Why would God do this? He's taken us out here. The funny thing is, I've always thought about this. It's been three days since they've eaten or drunk anything. Why did God leave them there for three days? <laughs> because what happens is they're dying of hunger and thirst. And so they start complaining and going crazy. And then all of a sudden, you know, Moses goes to God and says, what am I supposed to do? And God says, ah, I'm glad you asked. You've come to the right place. <laughs> You've come to the creator. Because I brought you out to this desert for a reason. No water, no food. I'm going to make it rain Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Otherwise known as manna. Or Hawaiian sweet bread. I've said that before. Love Hawaiian sweet bread. It says it was sweet like honey. Oh man, Hawaiian sweet bread. I would just eat that up all day long. And manna doesn't have calories for all of you out there. So I know. Helps out. And quail. Have you ever eaten quail? You know how hard it is to catch quail? I know professional hunters that are like, man, quail is tough to catch. When you're hunting quail, it's hard. And he fed them with quail and Hawaiian sweetbread for 40 years. 40 years! Think of that! That's phenomenal! And he said, only take what you need for the day. And they would gather it up and they would take. And some of them actually tried to gather it up and put it in jars and store it. Why? Because what if God doesn't bring it tomorrow? 
I, I want to hunger and thirst after my pantry, which will hopefully supply me. My 401k, which will keep me safe. The economy, my job, my family, my relationships, my everything but God. Do you get it? Hunger and thirst after Jesus. Right standing with Him. In a relationship with Him. If you see that you're dying of hunger and thirsty, and if you seek Jesus, your supply strategy is Jesus. That's it. What would it like? What would it be like? For Jesus, or what would it be like, I'm sorry, what would it look like to go to Jesus for your supply instead of work? What would it look like to go to Jesus for your supply instead of money, instead of pleasure, instead of food, instead of every new gadget, whatever it is? Guys, if you don't know what God's will is for your life, you need to seek Jesus. Because honestly, it's really simple. It's not hard. One of the things I want to do after service here. Maybe you're like me sometimes and you're drained. You're just, you got nothing left. You're starving. You're thirsty. Jesus wants to meet with you. We got some people that are going to stick around afterwards and you just need prayer. That's the greatest honor that a brother or sister can do for another brother or sister in the Lord is help them to just get the supply from Jesus. And that's what we want to be a part of. And so if you are needing that, Just stick around after service. We want to pray for you. This is a big thing. Are you listening? Are you hungering and thirsting and seeking in a place that you shouldn't be? This is what it means to hunger and thirst for Jesus. He's the bread of life. The water that will fill us eternally. By the way, I just want to add this really quick. Okay, it's hard. I can't speak ancient Hebrew, so give me a second. Hartazo, something like that. You have to really. Okay, so it's fun to say hartazo. Okay, but it basically means that when you had an animal that would come in after a hard day's work, a big ox, right? Not not just Uncle Bob, right? But a big ox, okay? And he would, he would come in after work and, and, and it would be working all day long. And I don't know if you know this, but when a 1,200-pound, 1,800-pound animal eats a lot of food. And so they have these huge troughs and these massive troughs would be filled to the brim with food, overflowing. And the ox would come in and just eat it all and be so happy and satisfied and just lay down and sleep for the rest of the day. That's the idea of hartazo. It's full to the point of literally overflowing being so filled that you were just rubbing your tummy saying I cannot believe how good God is do you get it? some of you can't say that because maybe like me you're going to something else sometimes seeking not righteousness not Jesus we want to do that for you we want to help you in this church in the mission we're very intentional about connecting you to God I, the women have been meeting and feasting on Jesus. I can't wait for the discipleship group. Please, if you, you want to know more about God and you just want to grow in your relationship, you know, just that's the reason why we called it Roots. <laughs> you want some roots? Sign up for that. Kids and the youth, they're having a smorgasbord right now. I don't know if you know that. They're having a great time. But are you being filled to overflowing? Again, just do me a favor. Close your eyes. Let's, let's pray. But I just want to extend that time to you. If you're empty, stick around afterwards and come and we'll pray for you. It's the greatest thing we can do. I 
I'm so excited about what God is doing at the mission. We're growing in ways that, that we can't, we don't have enough people for. <laughs> Let's put it that way. We don't have enough helpers. But the, I love it what Jesus uses. He says, the harvest is plentiful. I don't know about you guys, but when I look at my life sometimes, I don't see a plentiful harvest. I see a lack. I see a desert. And that's the time I go to my brothers and I go to my sisters and I say, please pray for me. If you are in the desert and you're crying out, you've seen that you're going to the gutter, you're going to, to stagnant pools of fetid water, and you're saying, I am getting sick off of this. Seek the one who came down in a manger. Considered it pure joy to get up on that cross so that we might ascend with him and be fed with, with food we could not buy and drink we could never afford. And to be hartadzo, full, so full, that we're overflowing. Lord, I just thank you. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray that, that if there are people here, if there's a brother out there or a sister out there that's just struggling, that just needs, knows that they're dying here, knows that they're starving, knows that they're thirsty, we'd stick around and we would pray for them. Lord, you honor, you honor those who humble themselves. Your floodgates of grace open wide for those that seek you. You are the bread of life. And you want us to be full. May we hunger and thirst after you. In Jesus' name, amen.